everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ad Project Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Shellard from Ad Advance, and today I am joined by Jack Lindbergh from the Mars Agency. Jack, it's awesome to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. So last time we got to meet up, it was actually in New York, where you're at, um, and we got to meet up at Amazon. Um, so you were recognized as a thought leader, um, and I was too, which was pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, and so we both got our little bobbleheads and everything else like that. So, um, yeah, so I'm humbled to be sitting down and talking to another thought leader in the space, Jack. <laughs> oh, well, the feeling's mutual. Your bobblehead looks much better than mine. Uh, <laughs> my, my bobblehead looks like it had, um, some very, uh, botched plastic surgery, but, uh, <laughs> um, it, it was definitely fun to be in a room with people like yourself and getting to learn from the other really strong thought leaders in the space yeah yeah it, it was funny like right after the uh when i got the award i i called up my family and i was talking to my daughter she's a uh, five and i was like man she's gonna love this and like i held it up and i was like hey look at it. it's like a little mini joe doll and the first thing she said was that doesn't look like you dad <laughs> oh yeah he, here's mine this this doesn't really look like me <laughs> I, I like that i like that <laughs> So, so what I wanted to have Jack on the podcast for was like you, you've got a lot of great posts and have really dug into Amazon Marketing Cloud. Um, and so I wanted to talk to you more about like in general advertising clean rooms. We're going to start to hear a lot more about these in the future. Um, and then some different use cases and kind of like a little like starting guide on where to go with Amazon Marketing Cloud. Um, but before we get there, I think it's really good to paint the picture because it took me a while to kind of internalize what AMC is and why it's useful. Like, can you walk through, like, walk us through, like, what is a general clean room? And as an advertiser, why do we need them? Why do we care? Awesome. Yeah. So a data clean room. Um, so I, there are probably two ways to describe this. I'm going to give a technical explanation, which is like, using all the right terms. And then I'm gonna describe it once by analogy, because I think I that's it. probably more helpful for most people. The technical terms might lose some folks along the way. Um, so a, a data clean room happens when Joe and I each have a set of data that's potentially valuable to one another, but for privacy reasons or whatnot, we don't wanna just send each other an Excel file with all of the data in our database. We want to sort of limit the access in such a way where I can get a glimpse into what Joe's data set looks like, but only in a way that's aggregated to protect the information at a row level. So if Joe has a CRM, that's like every single person's name and address and phone number, I can ask questions like, how many people of in Joe's CRM live in Milwaukee, but not where does Joe live? What's his address? Sure. Um, so the, the data clean rooms typically are two or more data partners. So people who have data sets that the other might deem valuable, um, typically using a neutral third party to facilitate that data exchange, to set up the privacy requirements and data sharing agreements where that neutral party is the one deciding how to expose the other party's data set to the other. Sure. Um, in Amazon Marketing Cloud's case, um, the way they've set theirs up is kind of interesting. They're both the data clean room host and a data provider. So in that three-way relationship, 
they're two sides of a three-way equation, and you as the brand or as the agency are the other third data leg of that stool. Sure. Um, in to describe it sort of more by analogy, um, I've said this a bunch because I think it works really well. <laughs> There's an episode of um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine where Andy Samberg's character is trying, Jake Peralta is trying to learn how to DJ, and he gets like a record turntable. Um, that's very much what a clean room's like, where you take two data sets or more than two and blend them together in such a way where the aggregated output is unique and more valuable in some ways than the individual data sets on their own. Sure. Um, where that goes awry in the episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which also happens to a lot of people with AMZ, is Andy is DJing Klezmer music albums, and he's really mixing them together in, in a way that doesn't yield a beneficial result. Sure. Um, and I think that's very much what we're seeing people happen have happened to them with AMC, where they know there is value there. They're just having some hard time extracting it. Um, and hopefully we can illuminate some ways to help you get some value out yeah. of AMC today. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I love that. And that was a really good way to break it down. And so for these clean rooms, say we have different sources coming in, it's just kind of like it's a way to tie the data together, but then to send out results that are going to be more like in our case it's usually from privacy concerns so it's going to be more anonymized and right. so like with amazon marketing cloud essentially what this does is it allows us to tap into amazon advertising's data but only in ways that they specify that we can use it <laughs> and exactly, there's going to exactly. be different guardrails so it's not like i'm going to be able to do a sql query and pull out each individual record out of the database. So it's gonna have to be aggregated to a certain level. Um, and it's gonna be set up, they always say pseudonymous. Pseudonymous, thank you, thank you. Yep. So Not I a word I've heard used anywhere else. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, I, and yeah, I struggle to even pronounce it as you've just seen. Yeah. And so essentially what's that, that saying is like, Hey, we're not going to expose like individual person's data. Mm -hmm. It's all going to be aggregate data that you can use as an advertiser. So you can tap into the database that's going to have all these individual activities and events and different things like that. But as advertisers, we only get access to certain areas that they deem appropriate and at the right level where it's more aggregate results. Right, right, yep. exactly. So the, um, the the example I gave of, um, you can't ask for Joe's address, but you can't ask for how many people live in the same zip code is a perfect example of one of the aggregation thresholds that AMC has where if not enough people do a certain action or meet a certain criteria, you don't get anything back. It just responds saying, hey, we don't have enough data to give you this specific parsing. Yeah, um, yeah. So why why are data clean rooms becoming more and more prominent lately? Like, why do we care? Yeah, great question. So um, Google recently announced that they were, they that cookie get-in, whatever we were calling it, where <laughs> um, cookies are sort of becoming obsolete, actually is starting to happen. Um, and they've initially, they've rolled out that test of, I think it was 1% of users that have a cookie-free experience on the web. Yeah. Um, what that means is 
the tracking across the open web um, becomes much more reliant on user consent and um, this sort of known user identity resolution. Um, what that means is, as I follow someone around this, the World Wide Web, um, cookies are a way for me to track that person in such a way where, as they navigate through multiple sites, I know that it's the same person, so their web activity is a continuous user journey that I can follow. Um, what cookies struggle with is knowing who that person is. So the mapping of cookie to Joe's name and email address yeah. is there are a lot of companies that try to do that exact thing of basically taking the cookie and matching it to a known user population. What deprecation of cookies is going to cause is the challenge of you need to know who the user is the whole time in order to track them. Um, so on Amazon, on site, that's very simple because most people are logged in to their Amazon account all the time when they navigate through Amazon. Um, and because you're logged in, they have a much better chance of knowing who you are as you navigate the open web. Sure. Um, so as they're targeting you on third-party sites, um, they know who you are and are able to basically resolve your ad behavior across multiple sources into one continuous stream of this user did all these activities in this order. Um, what that means is uh, two things. One, the walled gardens in which you've already consented to say, hey, Facebook or Walmart or Amazon, I'm telling you who I am and here's my user data and I've consented to this and now you can follow me. Sure. And become much more valuable because this ability to sort of uh, track users anonymously across the web has been is starting to be deprecated. So that mm -hmm. first party data sets um, become much more valuable. Um, I, I would think about it though as like a um, that those walled gardens are going to be incomplete in terms of tracking the your holistic web traffic. Sure. So what Amazon knows about me isn't 100% of my web activity. So, and that may or may not overlap with the things that Facebook knows about me. Um, so that's part one. Um, yep. Part two is all of these walled gardens will have to start making inferences about traffic that they know happened, but they can't figure out who the person is. Um, so in AMC, there is a really powerful um, field or like a column to think about it in most tables called user ID, which is basically like they take me and they say that my special user identification number is this, like some big string. Um, what Amazon is going to encounter and all sort of these wall gardens will encounter is there will be instances in which they serve someone an ad and they can't figure out who that person is. So they, they have an impression, but they have no user ID. Sure. Um, and what that leads to is all of these wall gardens are going to start having to basically model impressions or model conversions based off of those impressions. Mm -hmm. um, because if I told an advertiser, hey, you had 10 million impressions, 500,000 of them, we couldn't figure out who the person was, 
therefore, none of those 500,000 impressions cause any conversions. You'd look at me like I was crazy. But if I told you that all of them converted, that would also be wrong. So the sort of middle ground of how do I take unknown user traffic and attribute it to some sort of downstream sales impact um, will be a big challenge for data clean rooms going forward in all of these wall gardens. Yep, yep. So, uh, yeah, just to unpack that. So a couple major pieces. Like, So one, the biggest driver for this is privacy updates on the internet and the cookie really ties into this so background of the cookie is that back in the 90s netscape navigator launched the cookie as a way to personalize different websites um, and so for instance if i log into a website it could place a cookie and then it would know that i logged in and i wouldn't have to log in the next time right um so how the advertising industry has used this is now you can place cookies on people's browsers when they would go to any sites online. And with that, you could use that data to essentially track user behavior across different websites. And then the other key piece is if I go to a website, they look at my cookies and they say, oh, okay, that's Joe Schellerud. And now I know he's interested in XYZ from the different things that he's looked at online. I'm gonna serve him an ad here. And then they could track me, say I click on that ad and I go to another third-party site and purchase. Well, through cookies, they could probably see the conversion event and track throughout that whole, that whole chain. And right. so as an advertiser, that's really powerful to be able to show ads to the right people, make sure you've got really solid audiences, and then track to the conversion. Now, with the cookie going away, as Jack was saying, now it can be a lot harder to determine, okay, is that Joe Schellerud? who's on weather.com right now, or is that somebody else? Um, and so being able to see who's on that website to serve them the right ad, and then being able to track further on what actions have been taken gets even more complex. And so that's one key piece. Another key piece that he dug into was um, walled gardens, and really this ties to first party data. And so where right. we see the advertising industry moving is that it's going towards the areas to sites that you log into that have a big ecosystem. Um, and so instances are Amazon, Google, um, Meta, so Facebook and Oculus and you Instagram, know, Meta and every, every Instagram and everything else. Um, and so the industry is shifting to first party data um, and that can be really solid because you're logged in and you're given consent and you usually have a lot more control. Like Google's really good at splitting out all the data. They have a ton of data, <laughs> but you can control it. Um, and the key area that's gonna be a struggle going forward is now, say I'm running ads with Facebook, Google, and Amazon, and I have retargeting set up, I have a upper funnel advertising for Amazon. Somebody comes in, they purchase, like attribution's really tough. Each platform right. could take credit. <laughs> Actually driving to the conversion could be tough. Um, and so measuring actual results um, is really difficult. And so that's where clean rooms can kind of come into play where you, these different sources can come together and you can take a more holistic approach at looking at your advertising. Is that a decent summary, Jack? Yeah, that's a good summary. I think um, what uh, we're gonna see by and large is the biggest players, namely Amazon, Google, um, have their own data clean rooms and therefore 
the universe in which you can go to Amazon and say, hey, I'd really like to put your data in Google's clean room. Um, probably isn't going to happen anytime soon. Sure. Um, so even with data clean rooms, they're an imperfect solution to this problem of, I know I have a holistic advertising strategy where I'm targeting this a core audience across multiple channels, but the how do I know if I'm overexposing or what the cross-channel conversion events might look like or all of these sorts of you know multiple ad type interactions become really challenging as you have these barriers of these wall gardens pulled up and you know that you need to connect the dots between them. Sure. Yeah. So at what point would you say an advertiser should start looking at getting into clean room like Amazon Marketing Cloud? Where do you start to see it make an impact? Yeah, good question. So I think for most advertisers, the first thing you want to just look at is, are you even eligible to use AMC? Sure. Well, walk um, through what, what that takes to be eligible. So to be eligible, you need to be uh, running DSP campaigns um, or plan to run them in the next 28 days, or I think it's something like that. Um, the other requirement is you need to have someone who uh, on your team who's able to write SQL um, to actually extract data from AMC. There are plenty of ways to get around that second requirement. <laughs> Sure. Um, like working with an agency partner like Ad Advance or the Mars Agency, or working with a tool provider or a consultancy that specializes in AMC helps you check that second box of someone needs to be able to actually use the AMC console to get data out. Yeah, yep. and what's um, nice with SQL and how they've got it structured is it's not a specific clean room language. It's the SQL is used for databases and is pretty generalized throughout, you know, trying to query data in a database itself. Um, so there's a lot of different sources that you can use for SQL um, within AMC. So it's nice that they've structured that and haven't created their own language. <laughs> so AMC does have some like novel syntax. I would say like it's 90% the same as if you're a data engineer at the SQL, you know, there are some syntactical nuances that you have to learn. Um, so the, there's still a learning curve for those folks, but AMC's done a good job of listing out a large quantity of use cases. They give you sample code to start figuring out, you know, where can I start leveraging this data cleaner to make a big impact on my advertising performance and sure. business growth. Sure. So, uh, all right, so that's the requirements to get into Amazon Marketing Cloud. And maybe for those who are interested but are trying to figure out like different use cases, what would you say are some of the most powerful use cases for Amazon Marketing Cloud that really leads to like actionable items that you can put into place? Yeah, I think um, I, I wanna preface that by saying um, the types of actions you take from AMC um, generally could fall into two camps one of which is like tactical which is like amc gives me data about one specific lever and tells me which direction to pull it and how hard sure um that is not very common in amc what's much more common is something that's more strategic where amc says okay here's this really interesting insight there are 15 ways you could action this and that's where dealing with a partner who has some creative juices and some experience, figuring out what those action steps might be is really valuable. 
um, because uh, to give you an example, um, one of the reports you can run via Amazon Marketing Cloud is a um, ASIN purchase overlap report. So of people who buy product A, how many buy product B? And for one of our clients at the Mars Agency, we had one, we, we have a, a grocery, uh, like fruits and vegetables, like a company or food grocery company that had, you know, 25% of people who buy frozen peas also buy frozen corn, which lovely. Isn't that nice to know? Yeah. Um, but what you do with that information could be 10 different things, right? You could target the opposing PDPs with sponsored display or sponsored product or sponsored brand ads. You could build a virtual bundle that's frozen peas and frozen corn. You could build a recipe website where you're showing people recipes that have both frozen peas and frozen corn in it. Um, you know, you could get very out of the box on how to take this insight of, hey, when people buy peas, they also buy corn and take that to the nth degree on how you're going to leverage that to drive your strategy. Yep. Yep. Yeah, like a, another use case that, that we've implemented for Amazon Marketing Cloud, um, we have a supplement company called True Niagen. Um, and their big goal, and our big goal, was to increase new-to-brand customers along with increasing lifetime value. And so there were different reports we were able to pull to, one, look at lifetime value, um, and as we keep building up our data set, we get more and better data on that. But the, the key question for us was, what is the best customer journey for them to take that leads to the most new-to-brand clients? Mm -hmm. And so we were able to look at the customer journey from upper funnel all the way down through sponsored ads and see, all right, here's the ideal customer journey that's giving us the best return on our ad spend for new clients or for um, new-to-brand. And then let's double down in that and really build upon that and maybe find variations of that as we go. And so this tied into different audiences and creatives and budgets and everything else like that. And so it was not just a simple, easy answer, but the insights that it gave were incredibly powerful. Um, but it does take a lot of thought and action that comes after that to analyze the data too. Right, exactly. Yeah, uh, another use case that uh, I think is very similar where it gives you really powerful insight, but the action step requires some brain work um, is there's a really simple query in Amazon Marketing Cloud in the set of use cases that's just branded keywords. So if you've run Amazon DSP, you, you get a, a metric that's called branded searches, which is someone saw my ad then they go into the search bar on Amazon and type in something that contains my brand name. Sure. Um, and what AMC lets you uncover is based on what ad or creative you showed the customer, what specific term did they type in and how frequently? And what we've seen with advertisers frequently is what they expect people to type in and what they actually type in don't match. <laughs> um, so like you're showing people an advertisement for dog treats and they're typing in cat toys or whatever, because they know the brand and they have this sort of identity match of this is sort of what I want. Yeah. Um, or they type in something that's, you know, dog treats for large dogs um, yep. to help you figure out uh, sort of how people behave once they've you've seen that ad. Um, and the 
I think there's a general misnomer that AMC is just about your ads. I think AMC is a really powerful vehicle for like a holistic Amazon approach. Sure. Um, and taking a look at what people type in after they see your products can be a really powerful way to think about how to structure the content on your PDP and build SEO-ready pages that correspond to the customer journey upstream of seeing that PDP, you know, happened where someone saw this ad and they typed in this keyword and they found your product and hopefully they find what they're looking for after they type in that keyword, right? Yeah. Um, and being able to track that down can be really, really helpful. Yeah, yeah. Another another good case, like, and this is why it requires a lot of analysis and nuance too. Like, so for instance, if I look at like overlap reports, and so you can look at say, all right, if somebody was shown only a sponsored ad or only a Amazon display ad, or if they've shown both, what's the probability of conversion? And what we can find, it was sometimes when we run this, we just get these bonkers numbers where it's like, okay, if they see both a Amazon display ad and a sponsored ad, they're like 15 times more likely to purchase than if they just saw a sponsored ad or if they only saw a display ad. And so initially you can look at it and you can be like, okay, let's show display and sponsored for everyone. This will be perfect and it's really gonna increase our sales. But I think it's taking another step back and saying, okay, why were the people in this bucket shown both? <laughs> and why was this group only shown a sponsored ad? And why was this group only shown a display ad? And so in a lot of these areas too, uh, just like you were saying, Jack, you, you can't just take this number and implement, like pull this lever and then it's good to go too. You gotta kind of dive a step deeper too because some of these insights that you can get may not be causation. <laughs> it, it, there's other outline, underlying factors that you have to dig into and go a step deeper before you can really put those into action. Yeah, that, that's the soapbox I get on about ad type overlap all the time is, <laughs> are you 100% sure people didn't see 15 ads just because they were really excited about your brand? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like if I type in your brands enough, I will see a lot of ads. <laughs> um, and maybe I was just really excited. And that's why I was going to buy anyway. And the conversion rate of seeing four ad types is because I was a really eager customer, not because your ads changed my behavior, right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and there are lots of things you can do with AMC audiences, which is probably a topic we should talk about a little bit, that sure. can help you sort of suss out causality in those ways. And enhance your targeting strategies on Amazon DSP um, in a much more robust way than you can with the native audiences that are available or custom audiences that are available just within the DSP console. Sure. Um, so to, to back up a step, um, AMC audiences, basically the typical AMC workflow is you write a piece of SQL that says select blah, blah, blah from blah, blah, blah. Um, and typically you can't select the actual user ID which is the identifier of those in person. But in the audience segment, you can create basically lists of user IDs that have engaged with some sort of behavior or have done some sort of activity on Amazon that you can then use to push to ADSP as an audience. Um, a classic example is something like people who added to cart but didn't purchase. Um, so those customers, I've had mixed results with this audience, honestly. <laughs> Either 
were going to purchase, and then they forgot about it, and they left it in their cart, and you're going to come hunt them down and say, hey, you should buy this. Or if you're like me, and you add things to your cart instead of your wish list because you don't understand how wish lists work. <laughs> then... I, didn't know, I didn't know people did this until I started talking to people on the team, and so many people have done that, and I've actually started doing that now. I, I didn't realize that was a thing for a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the, the opposite behavior could be true where I add it to my cart because I was considering it. Yep. <laughs> um, and maybe I left it in my cart for a long time because I decided I really didn't want to buy it. Yeah. Um, but you could use that, those types of behavioral signals to expand the potential audience cohorts. Yeah, yep. And yeah, and that the audience generation capabilities or just being able to dig more into the audiences too, it's been extremely valuable. And then you can push those to Amazon's DSP um, and serve ads. And so very, very valuable overall. And another key piece are clean rooms. Uh, they can give you a lot further insights than you could get just using Amazon's DSP by itself. Yeah. One strategy I would suggest, Joe, based off what you mentioned about ad type overlap, is um, you can build audiences based off of previous ad exposure. Sure. So I only want to show DSP ads to people who have never seen a DSP ad before and identify, is it the ad or is it the people who self-select to see the ads that drives the performance, right? Sure. Um, and that's a really easy way to look at that ad type overlap where you're like, wow, I'm getting 15x better return when people see three ad types and say, okay, is it the ads or is it the people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we could talk about this for quite a while. Jack, I might have to have you back on the podcast sometime <laughs> in the future where we can dig more into details on use cases. But I think this was extremely helpful just walking through like one, what are these things? Because it, it's it's complex and it's confusing from the start. And why do we need to use them? Um, what's changed? Like privacy updates are really driving that. And then some awesome use cases. And what I can say, like definitely like follow Jack on LinkedIn. Tons of great info there. Always sharing his thoughts. Really appreciate that. Like Jack, if people want to get in contact with you to learn more, like what, what should they do? Yeah, the best way to reach out is via LinkedIn. Um, I'm pretty active there, as is Joe and his co-founder, Matt. Um, they are both equally expert on all things Amazon and AMC, so take a look at their content as well. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably already a big fan, but I, I learn stuff from Joe all the time, so definitely take a look there. Um, LinkedIn's probably the best way to find me. Um, happy to chat about AMC or whatever you'd like. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, Jack, really appreciate you coming on the podcast. It's been a lot of fun. And I think you put it, I love how you frame this all up um, in a nice, easy to understand way um, while being able to dig into some of the details. So really appreciate you joining the podcast. And like I said, I think we're going to have to have you on again. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. Yeah. And for anyone listening to the podcast, as always, we really appreciate you listening to this. Um, just note, if you like video format better, we post all these podcasts onto YouTube too. So make sure to check out our Ad Advance channel there. Um, and as always, really appreciate you listening to the podcast and we'll see you on the next episode. Mm -hmm.